Talking sports as they report Back and forth from their home court They talk the sports if you're not sure They talk of sports and then talk more About all sports East, West, South, North Ryan talks sports Andrew retorts And George will hear as they both sort Through all the sports they both support The Walk-Ons Welcome to the Walk-Ons podcast We are finally back after a Pretty significant hiatus, but for, for reasons that we've already described, so we're not going to go deep too into it, but it's Tuesday, December 21st, and we do have a fantastic show for you, so do not worry about that and listen in. Uh, we've got a lot of college football talk, some NFL, and we've got a great guest in our boy, Timmy Fogarty, and, uh, QB guru, college confidant. Uh, the guy knows everything and anything there is to know, stop so it, we're really excited to have him. Yeah, don't worry, Tim, you're going to get your chance, I promise Just you. keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but as always i'm here with my friend andrew schuster andrew what's up buddy it's been a long couple of weeks but it's good to be back with you yeah it's been a long couple of weeks um my tar heels got uh I'll, I'll put it lightly blown out by 30 points on saturday to the kentucky wildcats uh, vic fangio came through it the wasn't their fault it wasn't it was a last minute schedule right they weren't ready yeah well i can't imagine what ucla would have done to them and then uh you know, Vic Fangio lived up to his promise of just pissing me off on a Sunday and ruining my weekend. But, uh, you know, I expect it from the donkeys at this point of the year. So, you know, I wasn't shocked, <laughs> but it, it wasn't my favorite sports weekend this past weekend. Yeah, standard donkey show. I mean, for my for my money, absolutely loved watching San Francisco. The Niners hold, hold court at home and absolutely smoke Matt Ryan and the Falcons. So we are squarely in the NFC playoff race. We'll get to that later. But as I mentioned... QB guru, former college QB, one of our best friends in the show here, Timmy Fogarty. How are you, buddy? I'm good, boys. Thank you so much uh, for having me on. I I feel like, you know, it was just yesterday that we did our, our show in my living room, but I also feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. And there's a lot of crazy shit that's happened that we got to talk about. So I'm uh, excited. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's good to be back, man. And I got to tell you, I listened to that, that show that we had uh, back on August 31st. When we were previewing college football before everything kicked off. That was easily the best show that I think, in my personal opinion, that we had. Just the the camaraderie, you really can't substitute for being face-to-face. -face. But, you know, geography being what it is, COVID being what it is, we are being safe here, of course, and uh, doing this remotely. But it's so good to have you back, Timmy. We're going to get into this right now. So, look, college football playoff, we are set. Cincy, Bama in the Cotton Bowl, Georgia, Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Um college football just always seems to sort itself out, right? I mean, there's all these stories going into the last weekend, championship weekend. Can Oklahoma State get in there? Can Baylor get in there? You know, a, a bunch of people trying to upset the party, but at the end of the day, I think the best four teams in the country got in. What do you think, Tim? Oh, my uh, oh God. I, well, first of all, yeah, like on top of all of the comments that you just made, what an awesome weekend, the last college football weekend, right? With the Bedlam game, which was just absolutely asinine. Uh, before you get to the conference finals, right, and all those games, the bowl games to hear, I, I actually think for the first time since the playoffs started, both of these games will be closer than a lot of people think. I really think the 1-4 game is going to be a hell of a game. I think the Cincinnati-Bama game, because I think there's just enough weakness on Bama's team. Obviously, they're Bama, and they showed that against Georgia, right, in the SEC title game, which, you know, kind of punched Georgia in the mouth, but unfortunately, they were the only ones to do it this year. So they're still, you know, in it against my toughest hell Michigan team, who I think just shocked the fucking world, dude. Like this, yeah, well, they, hey, let, let's they let's really strip that down, me. Timmy. I I know you want to go for days, but let's let's kind of break this down, right? Because we know our, our boy Jesse Palmer on ESPN said this could possibly be a national title game without a single SEC 
uh, it, contestant in there, which we all know Justin Palmer. I mean, great face, great hair. He was on The Bachelor. Oh, I don't know if he knows much else. Uh, yeah. But let's start with Cincy Bama, the one versus four. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've been shitting on Bama all all year, you know, right? Like, can is this the uh, – really, okay, let's be fair. At the beginning of the year, we thought Bama would get, was going to be a shoe-in for the college football playoff, right? But it's a lot more fun to say, oh, this could be the Bama. This Bama team didn't necessarily look as good as they have in previous years. They looked vulnerable, but then, of course, they go out and they smash Georgia in the SEC championship yeah. game. They're the number one seed again. They're taking on Cincy, uh, you know, who's the first non-Power 5 conference team to get in. So it's kind of exciting. Andrew Schuster, who do you like in this game and why? Uh, I still like Alabama. I mean, Cincinnati is the first power five school to ever get in where Nick Saban's like, how many times has he even been in this realm of like the top four with a chance for the national title? There's too many to count every year. And I know Luke Fickle was at Ohio state that one year and he's not your average group of five coach, but you just have to like Alabama's, you know, toughness. And the fact that those players were brought in for the situation, they know how to handle themselves. I know Bryce Young is, is in his first year starting, but he's the Heisman winner. And there's just too much on Alabama's side. But I don't think this is a situation like Timmy's saying where it's going to be a blowout. And since he's just happy to be there, I think they're going to give him a fight. I mean, last year, Cincinnati probably should have beat Georgia in the in one of their games last year. And the bowl game. Yeah. yeah. And I know Georgia just got laughed out of the game against Alabama, but they're a legit team. They're ranked number one the vast majority of the season. So I don't think Cincinnati is your average group of five team that's just happy to be elevated in a situation where it's just being there as a win. I think they think they can do it. Luke Fickle's been at Ohio State, so he knows like how to coach up teams and that are in these big situations. But at the end of the day, I just still think Alabama has too much, you know, punch behind them. And you know, typically, a school like Cincinnati doesn't just go from never being in the kind of conversation to winning the title. So I think this is kind of a stepping stone year. And if Luke Fickle stays there, then I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati's just constantly in this college football playoff going forward, especially when they expand to twelve teams. Yeah, to be fair, I don't think Cincinnati's happy to be there. I think they're pissed off. I think they're pissed because they thought they were one of the best teams in the country, and they've con they've been left out really of, of the consideration really until the last week, right? So now they're in. Now they're looking to show somebody who's boss, and Bama has shown themselves to be, you know, a little bit vulnerable. But Timmy, what's your take? So you know what's kind of fucked up, dude, is so Bama basically without even having to do anything took away Cincinnati's really, in my opinion, one edge, and that was being the underdog. Even though Bama's the one seed, they're still, they still play like underdogs. It's like, bro, chill out. We, we get it. Like, you guys are good. Like, all right, you don't have to, like, stop acting like it's you against the world every year, all the time. And I love that shit because they, you know, they do. It's always them against the world. Like, and every time, any season they have one loss, the first conversation that people have about Bama is, now, you know, this Bama team's different. They just lost a lot of people. You know, and then like the Texas A&M loss this year and then stuff like that. And then you're like a couple weeks go by and you're like, no, bro, they're not different. They just have other young dudes that are just getting into the position and getting used to that game action, you know, and they're going to be just fine. So I think Bama's going to win the game. I do think it's going to be high scoring. I think Cincinnati can score points. I just don't think Cincinnati at all the positions has the depth right across the board and the playmakers. You know, I don't think the, you know, two, three, four guys from Cincy can match up against the two, three, four guys, you know, from Bama at said positions. And I think that's going to, at the end of the day, it's going to be a close first half, you know, both teams scoring. Bama's going to end up pulling away at the end of the game. It'll be fairly close. It will not be like my still have like PTSD from when Hawaii played Georgia uh, in the sugar bowl that one year when Hawaii made it, you know, made it in and they were undefeated and everyone's like, Oh, and I was like, 
too stupid and dumb and naive and young at the time to be like, yeah, dude, they're going to get killed. So I was like, oh, and it was like, it was like, you know, 40 something, nothing at halftime. But I think this will be a lot closer than everyone thinks. A shootout, Bama will win this game. But the next game, I am so stoked about. I cannot we will get. We will get to the next game. I promise you that. Don't worry about that. We've got four teams. There's only two games. We're definitely going to hit on that. But just for my part, I think you guys are both right. I mean, Bama is just being Bama, right? I mean, every year we want to be like, for me personally, I just want to hope this is the year that I don't have to see Bama again, like in the college football playoff, because they're just there year after year. And I look at the color. I have all the respect in the world for them, but their jerseys are boring. Nick Saban is just exhausting. They always get all the best players. They always have the number one recruiting class. It's just like, give me something else. Give me somebody to shake things up. I'm just going to go ahead and just say Cincinnati is going to shake things up. I do think not only is Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter a good player, he's got Jerome Ford, who is a running back, who looks like he's about 45 years old, uh, but the man runs like a goddamn freight train. He's very impressive. I do think they have some, some weapons on the offensive side, and I do think the defense is good enough, and Luke Fickle is a good enough coach to maybe, you know, make Bryce Young, who's still a freshman, yes, he's the Heisman winner, maybe, you know, think things through a little bit. So, I'm going to go ahead and take Cincinnati if for no other reason than I just cannot stand to see another college football championship game with Alabama in it. Gag me. All right, let's move over. I think this game is much more exciting in terms of just intrigue, right? Back and forth. Michigan, Georgia, Timothy Fogarty. Who do you like? Oh my God, man. I, 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 I got to just keep riding the train because as a, I became a Michigan you fan. love a good train. I know one you of do. my best friends out here, you know, he, he's born and raised in Columbus and he's a diehard Michigan fan. And through the abysmal years that they had to deal with, I kind of hopped on that, you know, bandwagon. And wait, wait, the wait, Michigan wait. team this can, year. Can I stop you? Can I stop you? Yes. Your buddy is from Columbus and he's a diehard Michigan fan. How does that happen and how is he still alive? Uh, well, you know, I'm Jeremy Ball. And I honestly don't know. He's, he's, That's he's Jeremy Ball? Yeah, he, he's. Oh yeah, okay, that Columbus. makes more sense. Yeah, diehard Michigan fan. Yeah, once you get to know him, and it's you know him and his brother. His brother got him into them, and every year, you know, we'll text about the game, and it's just such a disappointment. And what they've shown this year, and the team that they put together this year, and how pissed off they're playing. You know, they're 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 playing with an attitude that the previous Michigan teams never had, and even even though I think Georgia physically kind of at certain positions outmans them it's you know physically well their defensive line outmans everyone let's be real jordan davis is as big as a honda civic so that's just insanity how that matchup is going to work out but i think if michigan can make enough plays on play action like they did against ohio state who has a lot of good skill players right that they can withstand georgia's kind of brute force in that first half and get pressure on the quarterback like alabama did early on I think Michigan can win this football game and I'll take Michigan in that. But I think the defense is going to be huge because if they can get pressure onto Georgia's quarterback, like Bamba did, like they did to Ohio state, right. Who made invincible CJ Stroud look like he was a freshman playing against varsity kids. If they can do that, then I think they can win this game. And I really like their chances in the title. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's interesting. I mean, I think this game really is a coin flip, which is weird. Like, because two yeah. weeks ago we were talking about Georgia as being possibly one of the best teams in 
in the last decade. I mean, certainly their defense is insane, but I, for my for my money, I keep going back to the offense on Georgia. It's Stetson Bennett, it's JT Daniels, it's one or the other. They don't seem to be able to find consistency or find an identity. Yeah, that that defense is fantastic, but they can do nothing on offense. So I think this is going to be an ugly game. And honestly, if it's an ugly game, that plays into Michigan's hands. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick Michigan too, if for no other reason than I just don't want to see Georgia play Alabama again because we all know how it's going to go. Please, no, no more. To his father in dramatic fashion. It's going to be embarrassing. It's just, it's at this point, it's just, it's there's like three things that we know in the world it's death, taxes, and Kirby Smart's going to get embarrassed by Nick Saban. Um, but <laughs> kind, of, kind of what you were saying, I, the thing with Georgia is they were so dominant all year. They were in all these games where they were just kicking ass with their defense that the offense never really once had to make a play. I guess the Clemson game was close, but that was like what a seven to three game. So it wasn't like the offense is 10, three, 10, three, six, six. So it's yeah. not like the offense yeah. is the thing that won them the game. You, you look in the Alabama game, all of a sudden they were put in a position where the offense had to make a play and they threw their fourth down conversions, never even got close throwing interceptions. It looked like a team that had never been in that situation because they haven't been. And, you know, you can talk about talent and I'm still willing to say Georgia may have a better roster, but just from that like game experience aspect, they have, they're unproven. And, you know, I think Georgia's going to have to rely on their defense, stopping Michigan's offense. But like we were saying, Michigan's pissed off, you know, they're a tough team and they're built similar to Georgia or Georgia too, where they have a tough defense. That's going to make life hell for the for the Georgia offense. So, you know, I, I think the 10 years of disappointment was probably worth this one year of, of making it to the title game and potentially pushing Alabama. So, you know, karma's karmic justice is going to play its part. And I like the khakis, the fighting khakis to win this in the uh, second game. Yeah. It's, it's funny how things come full circle, right? I mean, real up until this year, Harbaugh had never beaten Ohio state. He was on the hot seat. Michigan was struggling. They couldn't find an offense. They couldn't seem to do really anything. And especially when it came to that rivalry game, they couldn't get over the hump. And then this year, here they are, they, have that huge win in the snow against Ohio state, which was awesome. Now, you know, oh, yeah. they just crap all over Iowa, which was just an unfortunate <laughs> incident to watch, uh, which I think was the second highest watched game of the season. So a lot of people wasted their days with that. Um, yep. But Michigan feels like a legitimate, legitimate contender. So let, let's go from that, right? Let's not necessarily say we pick a championship game because we've got some different, or I think we're all in on Michigan over Georgia, which honestly feels crazy, literally sitting here two weeks removed from me calling Georgia one of the best teams that I've ever seen. Um, but that offense is totally suspect. And I think Aiden Hutchinson and Ogba on the other side, I mean, that's another yeah. dude nobody talks about. That's, that is a bad, bad offensive. That's an NFL offense, uh, defense. Yeah, like 30 line. sacks between them almost. That's an NFL defensive line. There's do not mistake that. Um, let's go around the table. Timmy Fogarty, who is your national championship? Who's your national champion this year? Oh man. I'm going to have to say my national champion is going to be, and it's honestly just because I don't want to jinx. I don't want to jinx the boys. I'll say it's going to be Alabama. I say they beat Michigan in a slugfest because I don't know Michigan going back to back, you know, having to play teams like that deep down, you know, side note, I really want Michigan and I think they will, but I don't want to jinx them. I think Bama, it just with, with Bama's offense improving over the last three, four or five seasons and now how many points they can score. It's just so hard to pick against them. And it's really a coin flip, you know, what kind of offense with the young quarterback will come out. But I think that they're enough that they can really 
do it all this year and have enough confidence that I'll say Alabama. Andrew? I like Michigan. Strictly one. It's going to add some variety here so we're not talking about the same team. But two, you know, let's not forget Alabama had some games this year where they looked human. Um, you know, they obviously they lost to Texas A&M. And let's not forget they were 59 minutes into the Auburn game, about to lose to a team that finished 6-6. Six and six. I know that's a rivalry game, and I know there's a lot of emotion into it for both teams. But, you know, you, you, this isn't really – there's a reason why all year we were saying Alabama's probably going to be in that playoff, but none of us really felt strongly that they're still the team to beat. And I know Bryce Young was the Heisman winner, but didn't he just kind of feel like the least impressive Heisman? Like he won it by default almost. Like there, the whole year we yeah. were like, who's really – Yeah, I, I mean, all due respect to Kenny Pickett from Pitt, who had a great year, but, I mean, the fact that he's involved in the Heisman, it just – it didn't feel like anybody that Heisman ceremony in general was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is definitely exactly. the best player in the world or in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So you like Nick Saban's ability to game plan. Um, and, but here's the thing, though, is like there's all this time between the end of the, the season and the playoff – but that's reserved for Cincinnati. He's going to basically have, what, 10 days for Michigan. So it's, it's not the same thing where you're like, if you give Nick Saban a month of game plan for you, it's, it's game over. I mean, 10 oh, yeah. days is still a lot, but it's, it's kind of more of that regular flow of, of like what it would be like in the regular season. And if there's anyone who like can kind of, and I'm not saying they're comparable, but if there's anyone in this power, this group of four, we know Kirby Smart can't match up with Nick Saban coaching wise. Luke Fickle's good, but you know, like we talked about the depth and some of the other things that are holding them back. Jim Harbaugh has been to Super Bowls. I mean, what the oh, yeah. made multiple uh, NFC championship games with him. I know it's a different game in the NFL, but here's a guy that even though we kind of make fun of him and he's kind of a prickly character, like, you know, he's a good coach and he, he knows how to get these guys motivated for this game. And like we said, they're pissed off. And yeah. if, if they have Alabama in their sights with one more game to win, you know, they're going to bring it. Well, that's right, to yeah. your point. Like you said, with he, dude, in the college football world, he's been a joke the last five years. He's looked the devil in the eyes. He's not He beat Ohio State. You know, like that monkey's off his back. There's no more intimidation for him. He truly thinks that his team can go up against anybody, which is a big mental block to get over. And I think that Michigan, I agree with you on that, with the Alabama thing, but I still think Alabama. He, he did beat Ohio State, but let's not forget he also set his khakis on fire because he stood too too close to the uh, the heater there on the sidelines. So, I don't know. Listen, it's cold. I, I have I have a ton of love, ton of love for John Harbaugh, or excuse me, Jim Harbaugh, especially what I like John Harbaugh too. Don't worry about that. But I, Jim Harbaugh, what he did with the Niners, I mean, kind of will always be in my heart. Yes, it fizzled out very badly, like a fucking purple pop soda. But you know, like you said, he's kind of been the laughing stock for the last five years. Now Michigan's here. They have a legitimate NFL defensive line. They've got some good cornerbacks. I guess my biggest thing if we're going to call like an Alabama, Michigan college football playoff is who's the quarterback and Bryce young. Yes. He's not a very exciting Heisman winner, but he is a Heisman winner who had a great year. And then I'm looking at Cade McNamara slash JJ McCarthy, because they don't seem to know who's going to be the guy. I mean, McNamara is kind of the guy, but McCarthy comes in every few plays and, you know, does a run this or that. Uh, that's, Could be that Tebow leak thing. I don't know, but dude, that for me, that for me is just it, it's bad juju going like for a championship game against a guy like Nick Saban at Alabama. Um, I absolutely hate it, hate it, but I have to because this is what they do. This is what Nick Saban does. Jamison Williams, Bryce Young, it, unless 
you know, Ogba and Hutchinson have five, four or five sacks total and like really just screw up the entire game. I, I just don't see Michigan or anyone beating Alabama to be completely honest. I hope Cincinnati does it and I picked them, but let's just be honest. I mean, Alabama's probably going to win this whole thing and we're just all going to well, we be back story, here again dude. saying, God damn it. They did it again. Yeah, we know the story, dude. Like designers <laughs> say, nothing's an original idea. Like, yeah, just- but if, you know, if, if that's the case, if Alabama's just going to win every year, then like, why do we even do a podcast? Why does anybody, like, why does ESPN exist? Nobody care. Why do we show the games? Just so show them the score. The Alabama wins game. fucking 59-13 again, and we'll just call it a day. So NCAA, the football game comes back. 2023 ESPN. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why everyone does this, for the video game to come back. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Video game. Yeah, of course. I need I need to be informed on, you know, where this guy's wearing his sweatpants so that I can edit my player in EA yeah. Sports so, you know, that he looks like he does on the field. Everybody oh, you know how much time that's going to save not having to go through and edit each guy oh, on the roster? Yeah. So much time. You, you know, I used to, like, in NCAA 14, which is, we're going on a diatribe here, but it's the end of the well, year, so we're going to go weird, but man the like the time it took just to get between games and like uh you know dynasty mode just because i just get so lost in like editing every player like in the starting line so it's like 44 players plus the special teamers you know you gotta make sure they're the face mask looks good the helmet you know the oh dude don't even get me started on mental breakdowns i had because it was saving (laughs) to my memory card and my dad's like we're going to your aunt's house (laughs) and i'm just like it's saving dad and then you just come down and unplug it. And yeah. Oh, so, yeah, wow. We the, won't even dive in. PlayStation that. 2, like, save times. God, what an excruciating amount of time. Yeah. That's tough. All right, moving on. I'll yeah. <laughs> some time on that. You know what? Actually, that was about 60 seconds. That's, that's an appropriate amount of time to talk about video games in college football. But you really right, can't wait until that comes back in 2023. So, God bless you, EA Sports. Thanks for bringing it back. Look. Here it's the end of the year show, guys. Um, what I want to do here, and I think what we all agreed to, we're gonna do a little little show and review, right? Uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up. We are gonna be almost a year old as the Walk-Ons podcast in February of 2022, which is pretty awesome. We're on episode 35. So hey boys, we made it through the this part of the pandemic. Um, you know, just a couple of dudes talking sports, and of course, our uh our fearless leader, John Carlin, may he rest in peace. We all went to his memorial a couple of weeks ago in LA. That was beautiful. A lot of Jimmy Kimmel folks there. It was, uh, it was fantastic, but let's not beat that one down. Um, let's do a quick year interview because the four of us, and I'm including our producer, Seamus, who refuses to speak as usual. Uh, we met on August 31st as a, in Tim's apartment in LA for a preview show on August 31st. And so I wanna run down some of the predictions that we made because it's kind of fun to, to look back in hindsight and see sort of where we went right and where we went wrong. So we're gonna do this segment called Nailed It, Failed It. I'm gonna start off with some of the predictions that we nailed, and this would specifically be me because why would I start with anyone but me? Uh, Spencer, Spencer Rattler turned out to be a major dud Major dude, yeah, he did. Major dumbass, whatever you want to call him. Uh, lost his job to Caleb Williams in the middle of the year. Oklahoma seemed to be revived. Uh, thought maybe I don't think anyone thought it was going to save somebody's job or keep Lincoln Riley around because I don't think anybody thought he was going to leave for USC. But certainly Spencer Rattler kind of making his way out was something that we saw. Tim, if we're going to talk about failed it, 
uh, I'm going to go ahead and quote you here. You said on August 31st, I've got an Oklahoma boner this year. Spencer Rattler will bring the wow factor. Dude, mm. it was huge. It was the biggest Oklahoma boner you've ever seen. <laughs> and I absolutely own it. And I can tell you now, it is the smallest Oklahoma Spencer Rattler, like just shriveled thing you've ever seen in your life. No, that, yeah. honestly, man, I'm, I'm, here's the deal. I'm shocked. Like, because... With if there's anyone in college football, anyone at all, that is, like I said on our earlier show with Ohio State, a plug and play, like Stroud started to kind of show at the end of the year, it's Lincoln Riley. And he just somehow always gets these one-year guys to do it. And with I I I I, you know, I ate the juice or I drank the juice, you know, I thought he had all the hype and I thought he was gonna do something. And I, that was I have to own that because that was such a disappointment. And I just really and the way he handled it, I I mean, I, at least from the games that I saw, it didn't always feel like you know, it, it always just kind of felt like he was kind of on the sideline, just kind of in his jacket, you know, not really. And we'd kind of step in. It wasn't like a McCarthy thing, you know, and, and the Michigan thing where you have two quarterbacks that either could probably start. But, you know, there's no there's a love there that you don't see with that. And that was what kind of concerned me, you know, with him, at least after that. And I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm over that guy now. Well, so, I can I appreciate you owning it. You're good. Yeah, you're yeah, you're a stand-up dude. And I, I think honestly, that's a that's a pretty big pat on the back for Lincoln Riley because true like guys who coaches in college who call themselves like recruiters, basketball recruiters, but the kind of guys like Lincoln Riley who get not only Spencer Rattler, but Kayla Williams. Not necessarily yeah. like a Jim Harbaugh who's got McNamara and McCarthy who are Okay, right. You you yeah, got a guy. Five stars. You not only have a guy, you got another guy who could be the guy, and maybe a third guy who could be the guy when he gets an opportunity. And that's what Caleb Williams was. Spencer Rattler was not the dude, and uh, <laughs> therefore he became a dud. And we called that one hard. Uh, we also reviewed the week one top four, which was Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. We were talking about maybe who is most likely to fall out, who is most likely to replace them. Uh, I actually, I guess I cheated because I said Oklahoma was most likely to fall out because I hated Spencer Rattler. They were at number five. I did say, quote, oh, you maybe gets 10 to 11 wins max. They went 10 to two. That felt pretty good. I also said Cincy was going to be the most likely team to sneak into the playoff. Uh, it's a little bit cheating because I do feel like Cincy was there. But if I'm flipping it, Andrew's answer was either a Pac-10 team or a Big Ten team where he called Indiana, the second best team in the Big Ten, and Iowa State, the best team in the Big 12. So, Andrew, answer for yourself. <laughs> Say, I'm just like, I'm here to provide the entertainment factor on this show. And so <laughs> I made those picks knowing well ahead of time that I would be the, the, the punching bag, the martyr for the show to add some entertainment value. Okay, no, I, I'm, I, I don't know what happened. Indiana was really good last year. They just had all the signs of a college football program turning things around. And they weren't just like sub. They were bad this year. That was bad. They were bad. bad. Um, Iowa State. They were they were okay. But you would think with the returning quarterback and Brees Hall still being there, that they would still be like in the in the you know being the best in the Big Twelve doesn't hold that much weight when you think about the national landscape. So it wasn't like I'm I was saying oh man they're going to be the th third best team in college football. I thought they would be interesting. They'd be in the in the uh, thick of things at the end. Turns out it was Baylor and Oklahoma State who were doing that. Um, I, I, you know, there's one thing I got completely right and I'm not even happy about it because it was about my, my Tar Heels. You know, I, I said this, they were ranked number 10 to start the year, 
had a game at Virginia Tech the very next day when we recorded that podcast. It said they're not winning that game. They, they proceeded to not win that game and a lot of Nailed other it. games. Nailed it. So, uh, you know, in that sense, I was very clairvoyant. I think I also said Miami was going to be trash, which they were. One of the few teams UNC did beat, if that tells you anything. So, you know, even the one thing I got right, it, it <laughs> pained me beyond belief. So, um, you know, not, not my greatest college football season, but hey, like I said, I'm here for entertainment. That's why you're the best. Uh, look, I love it. I, I, we all pile. I, I think Miami, we're going to pile on on that one because when we saw them oh. as a top 10 team, we all knew that was absolutely asinine uh, to use Tim, back, Tim's bro. turn. And yeah, and they, they went and got, uh, you know, you know what, by Alabama in week one and just continued on to be terrible and found themselves a new coach. Um, just giving that, uh, Tim, I'm going to give you a little, little love because I have two quotes from you where, use the same analogy which i still like you said quote zero percent chance that texas and texas a&m has less than two losses who was also one of andrew's shocker picks to make the cfp they were eight and four so you nailed that and also this one which i really want to highlight you said there's a zero percent chance that brock purdy of isu beats ou twice because i saw him training in the offseason he was wearing fucking tivas which which wait which is absolutely insane what you called and he only had a chance to lose to Oklahoma once but you also did say before you started that that you wanted to make a bet with Andrew but you actually never finished what the bet was so if it was up to you Tim what would that bet be and Andrew will you accept the bet after the fact man well I have to I have to think about this one and We'll have to report back for the new year because I didn't expect to be put on no the spot. No way, dude. We're a, live, we're a live show. We gotta, bet, we're, or we just end of the year show. You know what'll happen is you know what'll no happen is we'll push it and then it'll be like the ongoing thing where I just keep saying, "Yeah, dude, sorry, I can't, I can't think of anything right now." And it just no, keeps going. No, I, I want something where you you drop in a bet right now. Andrew can choose to accept or not because it's already been played out. But now then you two are locked into an absolute death match for 2022 where you're just betting back and forth, and we'll see who makes it. I have a bet. Yeah, go ahead. Wear Tevas. What? The loser has to wear the Tevas. A loser has to. Okay, loser has to. Uh, but we have to have to, you have to do something in the Tevas. Yeah, well, we've already play. determined. So let's let's just pick some arbitrary game where you guys pick against each other, and somebody's got to wear Tevas, and you know, document that shit on Twitter. Okay, I like that. Let's go. I like that. Hmm. But yeah, Texas A&M, uh, until they actually do it, they will never, ever, ever be in the college football playoff when they're getting all the hype that they get every year. Oh, wow. Our producer, Seamus, says somebody, the loser has to wear Tevas everywhere for a week, which is really tough. So you guys better figure something out. Yeah, that's, yeah, we'll carry on. But we gotta, I gotta mold this over. <laughs> okay, carry on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you at the end of the show. And <laughs> gonna we'll get this over. bet locked in. Uh, so... <laughs> A, f- a few more failed it's from that show. Um, we all thought Clemson would get in. We all thought they were still a shoe in for the ACC because the ACC wasn't that great, even despite North Carolina being top 10. Uh, Tim, you did call it out. You said you, you thought they'd still make the playoff, but they would get eviscerated because their defense was very suspect in the college football playoff. So that's fair. Um, but I, I don't think... You talked, we all, I think we all talked about their defense, right? It just, it was going to let them down. I don't think any of us knew how bad Clemson's offense was going to be. Do you, Tim? Not at all. And I thought like with Clemson, they have so many, you know, good athletes and, you know, DJU who comes in, who's 
just massive and can sling the ball a mile. You, you figured because he got playing time the year before and, you know, when Lawrence was there that he could kind of come in and that offense would be second nature to him and they'd have the playmakers around him like they usually do. You didn't see that at all. And it looked very dysfunctional this year. You're not like a normal Clemson team. The defense was okay, you know, against an, a very mediocre uh, ACC. So the defense wasn't bad enough, but usually the offense is good enough that the defense that gives up 30, 40 points, the offense scores 50, right? This year was not like that. And it's interesting to me. This, I wonder if Clemson's kind of fallen off that, you know, dynasty type hill on the decline because you got Brent Venables, who was supposed to be, you know, the second coming of defensive coordinator God. Um, and he's going to Oklahoma, which I do think that's a good hire. I, I like that going back to kind of the roots with Barry Switzer and, you know, just a defensive minded football team. But with Clemson now, I'm interested to see how that's going to go, you know, moving forward, because they still have good recruits. You know, Dabo's still there, which he still annoys the hell out of me. Um, but what they're doing there now, the defense, you know, and the offense looking bad, it's going to be interesting to see how they're, they just kind of see if they're really how fast they decline, you know, from that dynasty hill they were on a couple of years ago. Yeah. Andrew, any thoughts? Yeah, I think Dabo's losing his mind, and I love to see it. Um, oh, you love to see it. You see his comments about the transfer portal, and it's such old yeah. man energy. Yeah, and it's, like, like 50. It's, yeah it's, it's like, dude, you uh, have a slide in your locker room. Like, you're recruiting. Guys are leaving because you suck, not because your shit's not good and the money's better. You got money. Yeah, I mean, oh, when Dabo. the system benefited him, he was all about it. But now that it's slowly going the other way, he's, he's losing yeah. his mind. Granted, I mean, Clemson's still in the ACC. They're still going to be the favorite. Recruits are still not, you know, they're not going to not go to Clemson. They're not going to suddenly yeah. turn into, you know, Western Carolina or something. They're still going to be a top 25 team. And hell, they, next year they could be right back in the top four. And, and none of us are going to be surprised. But there are starting to be some kinks in the armor. And as someone who's happy to see someone else win the ACC, I'm here for it. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, just the last point on that, like Clemson has been, you know, for half a decade, they've been the preeminent at least school in the ACC and they've been in the college football playoff. They've been in those championship games, but I, I don't know if people forget, but I mean, I almost forget. And I watch a lot of football, like Clemson was bad for a long time. And oh, yeah. like they were, they were a, an afterthought. It was Florida state dominating the ACC. And that was pretty much it. I mean, maybe Louisville with, with uh, Lamar Jackson, but Clemson was bad and mm. now they're really good. And, Dabble Sweeney came in at a time where he was able to change the culture and bring in guys like Deshaun Watson, who, you know, let's, let's not talk about him as a man. We'll talk about him as a college football prospect and yeah. bring in like all these like number one, you know, Desha, I think it's Deshaun Bowers, who was a defensive end. The guy did an incredible job for maybe, maybe five years, but there is no one in the world who's Nick Saban. There are a lot of fantastic recruiters out there who, who are different schools now. This sort of parody with, you know, with this sort of new age. It, if you're not named Alabama, everybody is vulnerable. And I think Clemson has proved that this year at least. Dabo had a great run. But Dabo is not necessarily a guy who's just, you know, he's just going to be like a Nick Saban who's just going to be there every single year. And I think we finally have to realize that this year made it so because Clemson is not necessarily, it's not a destination school. It's just not. Yeah. I, Timmy, I know that you uh, you had a, a recruiting cool visit hell, there. But, but yeah, like, they weren't options, very good when you went there. No. And if you have other options, why are you going to this small little town off the freeway, you yeah. know, in South Carolina? compared to these other places that the culture it's like Rome you you know it's not going to get torn down immediately right and it wasn't built in a day Bama some of these other places that these guys are choosing between it's like 
you've seen Nick Saban lose really good coordinators and be just fine. You haven't seen that, that happen to Dabble yet. It's starting to right now. And yeah, we're that's find what out. we're really going to see, right? Yeah, and t- Tim, it, this is just, I mean, I, I find this interesting. I think most of our listeners would. Like, can you give us, like, a quick rundown on your recruiting visit to Clemson? Like, what were your thoughts? Oh, Because well, you, you didn't was, pick them. Awesome. My, no, no, no. And, and I ended up having my injury, so they were kind of out of the running at the end. But when I went, there was probably 50 recruits, but my parents drove nine hours all night just completely because we, we had lightning delays. Our game went until midnight in Indianapolis. Drove all the way to South Carolina. We get there late, and this coach calls me over, and he goes, hey, I want you to come separate with me, Coach uh, Bowden. This is when Tommy Bowden was there. He's like, why don't you come there? And I, I went in, just me by myself. Tommy Bowden called me in, and, you know, I sat down and just talked one-on-one. He asked me about my game. I had six touchdowns. <laughs> but I'm forced. So it was tight. Uh, but, no, it was just a horrible conditions. Like, And the coolest visit ever, but I remember walking into the locker room and seeing the size of these dudes, though, it was right when they were starting to get some of those defensive end recruits and these big guys that really started, you know, stealing away from South Carolina. And the thing I, you know, that blew my mind is once you get outside the campus in the little town of Clemson, man, it's nothing, man. There's nothing there. So once you kind of leave your little area, you know, your little village, it's not like you're in a big kingdom, you know, like some of these other places, it's there. And a lot of kids can get homesick. You know, the kids that they're getting from Bama and Georgia and Louisiana, when they can stay home, you know, within a driving distance, that's a big thing. And if they're not dominating like they have been the last few years, that's, that's the difference, right? That's why kids are starting to go different places. And the transfer portal is such a clusterfuck is if you're not dominating right now or have built that empire, like Nick Saban, you have other options. Yeah, no, I, that's interesting. And I, I, I love it. I know you've told me that story offline before, and I always thought it was really interesting. I mean, yeah, so a, a lot of college schools are like that. I mean, especially the successful ones, right? You got Baton Rouge or especially Tuscaloosa where there's no NFL team anywhere to be seen for a few hundred miles. That's the difference. But yeah, Clemson was not a powerhouse at all like we remember it right now. And I, I think they're in big trouble just in terms of, you know, keeping up with the landscape, especially if Davos Sweeney just can't shut his mouth. But yep. let's, let's move on to our next section. Of course, we're in a year in review. We've got all the award shows coming up. So we're going to do our own little superlatives. You guys all remember, I'm sure fondly of being in high school and those superlatives that showed up in your freaking yearbooks. Um, yep. Let's just go around the table. And there is no wrong answer here. That could be a team, could be a coach, could be a player. What's your biggest surprise of the season? And I will, I'll kick it off. I think my biggest surprise, UTSA, the Roadrunners, UT San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that, hasn't done anything ever. I mean, I don't really know who wants to go to San Antonio. There's so much talent in Texas that there's some overflow from a Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Baylor. Then you got, you get the UTSA Roadrunners, but they were one game away from an undefeated season. Of course, in a bowl game, I think they're 11 and one, maybe 12 and one. Uh, Sincere McCormick, the running back, one of the best running backs in the country, one of the best names as well. I thought it was awesome. I, I just, I absolutely love seeing teams just kind of come out of nowhere and just make some noise. Right. I mean, certainly they weren't knocking on the door. The CFP committee kept them like in the mid twenties, pretty much the entire time while they were undefeated. Uh, so clearly that shows you what they think about them, but that was my biggest surprise of the season. So congratulations to UTSA Roadrunners for a nice season. There you yeah. go. Uh, for me, I think and it's now they've surprised us the, sh- the shitload of times since this is I think USC how they were just, they had such, just horrible. 
you know, in all aspects. And Clay Helton, remember that guy? You remember Clay Helton? Who? Yeah, the coach. Yeah, exactly. Dude, he coached USC like four months ago. You know what I mean? Like, or five months. Like, it's crazy to me to see how – because even though they, you know, didn't have – He's the, the new head coach of Georgia Clay Southern, Helton. by the way. I saw that. Yeah, Eagles, baby. Uh, my aunt – Go Eagles. Uh, she's a prof- my aunt's a professor there. Yeah. Oh, can she play fullback? Uh, potentially. Okay, excellent. So, yeah, no. Uh, Amy, shout out. Um, but for me, it was USC to see how, you know, cause even when they're bad for USC, you know, they still have the athletes. They still have the quarterback play. They still, you know, are in the PAC 12 title conversation. That was horrible for me. And then with, you know, the shocker that they did of, you know, flipping the world on its head, hiring Lincoln Riley out of nowhere, you know, for almost everybody is it's going to be crazy to see how quickly the culture and the winning tradition comes back to USC, which I think it's going to be pretty damn fast, man, because he can do it quickly and he can put a gate around the state of California to now make USC like it was when Pete Carroll was there. Because you ask any SC player, you ask Sanchez, they interviewed him on Dan Patrick and they said, what was the biggest difference with Pete Carroll compared to everyone else? He's like, dude, if you lived in California, especially Southern California and you were getting recruited, other coaches, coach Ordron would see other coaches at LAX and he would just be like, what are you doing here? Yeah, it's California. And they'd lit- and they would literally leave. Like they would just get on the plane and leave because they wouldn't leave here, you know? And I think that's gonna be another big shocker of how USC is gonna their rise back to glory. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll that get to that here shortly. I, I I like that a lot. Also, just a quick shout out to you UTSA fans who are listening. You're up 14 to 7 on San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl. So let's go, Roadrunners. All right, what about you, Andrew? What's your biggest surprise of the season? Well, first of all, that was a good Coach O impersonation. That was pretty uh, good. Surprise. Um, Thank you very much, Andrew. Yeah, yeah can we have you on later for like a, an actual Coach O interview and we won't say, tell anyone it's Coach O? I got to practice a little bit. You know what I mean? Go Divers. Yeah. But uh, I would say on the field, the biggest surprise we already talked about in depth is Michigan, just because when we did the preview show, I don't think we even mentioned Michigan once. No. Not, not even once. And if it was, it was probably to mock them. So the mm-hmm. fact that they they ended up being I picked them to win the title and at the very least they finished the season as the number two team in the college football playoff that's a huge surprise. But I think the single biggest surprise on or off the field is Brian Kelly going to LSU because there is nothing about Brian Kelly that suggests LSU. <laughs> we, we we just talked about like Coach O was the most LSU coach ever in both mm-hmm. what the school stands for the football tradition everything and Brian Kelly is the complete opposite of what yeah. LSU stands for. I mean, he's walking around going, I'm here to bring my family to Baton Rouge. And it's just yeah, this blending in well. horny Midwestern guy, farthest thing from LSU. He's going to eat some gumbo and he's going to explode because it's so spicy. But it's just yeah. nuts because he's like very Irish Catholic. He's like what you picture a Notre Dame just like fan would look like if you held up a dictionary of a Notre Dame fan. And yeah. he's all-time winning his coach there. I know he rubs some fans the wrong way because he can never get them quite over the hump. But it just – when I got that notification, I actually, like, said out loud, like, what the hell? This is – His family looks like – His family looks like their sprint – like Mercedes Sprinter van, like, broke down outside Baton Rouge, and they're walking around to ask someone to help them when they're on campus. It's like, you don't fit in here. What are you doing? Like, oh, we're on to, down to our timeshare. Yeah, I mean, those, those post-game interviews aside where you just, like, he makes all these, like, very weird, you know, references to, like, beating his players or whatever. Um, on the try-hard scale, that interview, like, or the, when he got on the mic at the LSU basketball game, I mean, the try 
tenure, that's like 15 out of 10. That was as embarrassing as you could. I mean, to start your tenure like that, to pretend you're like some down-home Southern boy when you're a Midwestern guy who's never spoken like that ever, uh, odd, in a word, odd. That's all I'll say. Uh, (laughs) All right, we did our biggest surprise. Who's your biggest dumpster fire this season? Andrew Schuster. Oh, you already know the answer. Like I do, but I want to hear you say it's, it. It's North Carolina. I mean, that was the worst thing I've ever <laughs> seen. Like, I, I cannot emphasize enough to you how bad this season was. It's best encapsulated by their game against NC State. I'm literally at a bar. They, they kicked the field goal to go up by nine points, two minutes left, and I stopped watching. I was like, this. they, 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 they beat NC State. They ended the year on an okay note, an actually good NC State team. Let's give it credit where credit's due. They're a solid top 20 team in college football. And they beat him in Raleigh. You're like, all right, what a nice way to end the year. Look on my phone. Suddenly they're only up by two. And I'm like, okay, what happened? Um, before I can even get back to the TV to see what happened, they had scored their second touchdown. And I'm at, I'm in a bar in Denver. So no one there is a UNC fan or an NC State fan. It's just on because it's on. And everyone at the bar was like, what the hell just happened? Like, they're just laughing. because Like, that is so improbable. That is, how do you let that physically happen? And I just stand there. I was silent and they could tell I was a UNC fan and they were like, oh shit, sorry, dude. And I was like, no, I, I don't, I have no words for this. I just, and the sad thing was, is it was the theme all season from the very first game, which I predicted they would lose to the last one. It was a clown show. And, you know, it's the last time I'm, I'm ever going to stand by the argument. Oh, UNC's got all this talent. They're going to put it together. Cause it's been like that for 10 years and every single year they're going to finish seven and five. And it's just going to be like, well, we'll get them next year. We're not. Mac Brown, I love you. You're a great soul, but come on. You got to you got to turn this team around. Andrew, let me ask you this, and I just need a one-word answer. Who do you hate the most as a UNC alum? NC State, Wake Forest, Duke. I hate Duke the most, but NC State fans are exponentially worse interesting okay oh i like that that's good it, insight it, it's so here's the thing i hate duke this is a good one word answer it's, as well it's, it's uh it's like that thing <laughs> it's like hate and you respect them i respect the shit out of duke because you know when you look at all those stats whenever it's duke unc basketball and it's like the last 60 games they've scored there have been three point differential or something just something absurd at how clearly like evenly matched these two schools are and imagine you have these two goliath programs and this other like third one that was good like 40 years ago, legitimately trying to tell you they're as good as the other ones. And then like, like you went, when I, one year when I was at UNC, we beat NC State by 50 points in basketball. And you just don't say anything about it. Cause like, yep, that's the expectation. The very next year, NC State wins in overtime and you would have thought they'd won the Super Bowl 10 years in a row. And yep. then they're like, that's why we don't like you guys because you don't know how to handle winning. And it's just, you don't know your place. And I know that's, that's, that sounds kind of douchey of me to say, but like when, when you win nine times out of 10 and you don't say anything. And then that one loss, you hear more from the other team than you would have ever said. It's like, do you guys not see the problem here? And the that's Wake Forest, there's, there's just, I mean, <laughs> there's not really a ton of Wake Forest people. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you know, Wake, Wake Forest. Yeah. I mean, of course, I feel like you're giving Duke some clout with, you know, I'm thinking about all sports, right. Just as a general, like UNC, yeah, who football, do we hate the no most? one really cares. I know but, we, have, we have a trophy, but yeah, it's are, are like, you the are you the classic like university of 
Oh, University of National Champions. Well, one. University of X State, because I think about it in terms of California or Texas. If you go to UNC, if you go to Texas, anybody who goes anywhere else, like it's probably just because you're not very smart. I mean, that's definitely like what we are known for. And it's, you know, for better or worse, that's, I mean, that's just is. For being pretentious or for being smart? Well, for me, there's definitely pretentiousness. There's a bit Mm -hmm. of a wine and cheese crowd with Mm -hmm. North Carolina, 100%. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're the greatest fan base in America because we're not. Um, But uh, at the same time, you know, like there's, there's a certain standard of, at least in basketball, football, clearly not. We just talked about this in great length, but you know, in basketball, when you've won six national titles and you're arguably a top three college basketball program, you know, you, you get to throw your weight around a little bit. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. You got a chance to really just lay it on the line. All right, Tim, who's your biggest dumpster fire of the 2021 college football season? Mine's easy. Mine's the entire state of Florida for the big three schools, Florida state, Florida, Miami, just Mm. every year you expect one of them to get something going florida two three seasons ago looked like they might have you know turned the corner you're in a talent rich state you have sexy programs with that are also great academic schools you know i i don't get it i don't get it i i I don't know if it'll ever change again i hope it does but the entire state of florida the big three schools north to south florida state florida miami they're dumpster fires right now all of them they're just embarrassing to watch. That's all I got to say. Perfect and succinct answer from a man I never would expect it to be succinct. I love it. It's actually a better answer than what I had. I was going to say Florida, but let's just say, since you called out the state of Florida, we'll just say Dan Mullen, um, because that man was coming into Florida with high expectations. He was going to save that program. He was going to make that offense really hum. Uh, not quite. And when you give up 52 points to Stanford, you are the dumpster fire and now you don't have a job. So yes, trails to, to our boy, Dan Mullen. Um, all right, let's go. We've got a few more of these. How much I think we have about you minutes left. on your hands? Oh, we can go through these. Well, we'll yeah, we're going to go through these. All right. Your biggest upset of the year. And this doesn't have to be, you know, an upset of some team or, you know, that was a huge underdog or whatever. Just give me your biggest upset of the season, Tim Fogarty. Uh, I think Michigan, the way they beat Ohio State and just manhandled them. I you like know, it. absolute domination the entire game, start to finish. The intimidation, like Michigan was into it. You didn't see, like, their energy, like you, you know, saw Ohio State, you know, having in the past. I think just the way Michigan, you know, beat the shit you know, for lack of a better word, uh, out of Ohio State this season and and show that they're worthy of this spot in the playoff. That was the biggest upset for me, and it was awesome to see. Probably my favorite game of the year to watch. Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the the magnitude and the impact it had on college football, Michigan winning was the biggest one. Uh, I think Kansas winning – you know, over Texas is just that was mine. Hilarious. Plus that, plus that fullback or that tight end who caught the 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 game winner. Yeah, it just and, went full legend. What a beautiful we, thing. We texted front of the show, Cat. You know, immediately afterwards, and it was you know, it was like walking her off a ledge. It was that was probably her all time low Texas moment. And she's as she said, she's had quite a few over the last couple of years. But that was that was one to behold. And then I guess you know, if I'm gonna add another one, because I kind of stole yours, Ryan. 
um, is just Kenny Pickett being in the Heisman conversation and at the end of the year being probably the number one quarterback prospect. Um, yeah. you know, as, he, as someone who's been an ACC fan for the most part, I've heard his name and they've been like, oh, he can throw it. He's a, he's a good quarterback. But I don't think anyone really ever thought you had you know, NFL ca- caliber intangibles. And I know everyone's making fun of his tiny hand size, which is like the biggest knock against him. But, you know, I just I don't really remember watching Pitt play and being like, that's the guy who's going to end up being the number one quarter, quarterback prospect. And, you know, so I have to say good for him because now he's going to get paid because of the weak draft class and he's going to get a, you know, he's going to get his opportunity. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, m- mine was just a true upset. Kansas is a 30 and a half point underdog against Texas. Just what a what a downturn for Texas. And I absolutely love that fullback slash tight end, Coleman H back, a Chris Cooley type who made himself an NIL deal just off of that touchdown alone. So God bless him and his family. Uh, Tim, did you ever get your hands measured? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I actually did. How'd you but, stack up? Um, I put them up against like some people like some do you have like Kenny Pickett hands or do you have like I don't have big hands no 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 I don't have frying pans my buddy who was my backup he had frying pans and you know it was just but I was all always like that's the thing actually for my flag football league got a glove to see how it was but then I started throwing it turns out I can still spin it without a glove so I need it you can always Uh, forget it but no that does the only time that really affects it is is for these cold weather teams these cold weather teams, you know, like you always hear, like having to go to like New England or, you know, one of the Buffalo or, you know, anywhere near any of these places that it's cold that have that option. If you're in a dome, you take your chances that half the season, you know, this guy's going to play in your dome. If he's that good of an athlete, you know what I mean? If he can really play the game, if hand size is what you're, you know, that's like your deciding factor. I mean, come on, there's, you can figure something out if the dude can do a lot of other things, but it is an issue for you know some gms at least while they're still alive you know some of these other ones or at least owners if you will because sure. uh, it's like oh we gotta have this guy he has small hands like you know marino he had huge hands it's like yeah. dude that was 40 years ago well i mean look no further than your own exit where you said your backup had huge hands so he had huge hands and he couldn't beat you out for the starting job so god bless him all right yeah. let's move on to one of my favorites the most likely to succeed and we're going head coaching category only by my count, so far, we've had 28 head coaching changes so far. But, I mean, it's been an absolutely insane coaching carousel. So we can kind of dive deep into this one. But um, let's start with Andrew. Andrew, who's your most likely to succeed as a head coach in a new gig in 2022? So just in 2022, like it has to be immediate impact. I'm yeah. Venables, because I still think that Oklahoma team has a lot of foundation there. And, you know, he's a crazy man. He's going to get his team fired up. He's going to have – now he's the head coach. He's probably going to have three or four strength coaches trying to hold him back um, as a <laughs> one. But, you know, like, I know they lost a bunch of recruits going with Lincoln Riley, but this is still Oklahoma. You know, this is a powerhouse football program who's now got a face that knows how to sell it. He's been there. He's been there when they were successful, when they were winning national championships. And so I, I think if you want a guy who's going to have the most success immediately, it's Brent Venables. I do like Mario Cristobal as a hire for Miami. I think he's the one guy that could come in and legitimately maybe help turn them back around. And then we talked about it at length. Lincoln Riley is going to a great situation. He's going to have all the recruiting things in his pocket and he's already turning guys. But do we actually know that it's going to lead to tangible results in year one? It could be. There's a, you know, I would say probably greater than 50% chance they're the favorite for the Pac-12 next year. But I don't see, I don't think they're going to be close to their final form of the monster that, that, that could be waiting in 2022. Okay. I like it. Tim, 
Yeah, I'm going to build off that and go Lincoln Riley. I think that if you look at success for USC from this last season to next season, they could only go up, right? So I think for them to see their offense scoring points again, to see you know them getting five-star recruits again that are staying home in the recruiting process, I think that's going to build a lot of success next year for them to go into a massive 2023. So I, I'm going to say Lincoln Riley. I think he has a good situation that's only going to get better. I like it. Well, you guys took both probably the best answers. I'm going to say Jim Mora at UConn because I don't think anybody knows that Jim Mora at UConn. And I don't think it could possibly get any worse at UConn than it is right now. So Jim Mora is going to get in there. He's going to get three or four wins and he's going to look really, really good because Randy Edsel has no idea what he's doing. UConn is just a place to go play football. If you want to play basketball, great. If you want to play football there, go somewhere else. All right. This is our last one because I actually like this one. We're running out of time, but it's the end of the year, so we're going to go a little bit over time. Most impactful transfer of 2022. Tim? Uh, Quinn Ewers, I think, hands down. I think to get Steve Sarkeesian, finally have a weapon. Like I said to you earlier off air, the joke, Sarkeesian, you could have seen if it was a movie in a dimly lit room with some whiskey and a gun in his mouth, and then his phone buzzes, and it says, Quinn Ewers is staying home in Texas. He's like, oh, shit. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? Honey, nothing. Just closes his desk up. And it's 20 years to Texas. I think he adds an immediate impact. I really, I know that joke's dark, but that's not spot on. Um, <laughs> after what they had there. And I think Ewers can really do everything. He's the highest rated recruit since I think Andrew Luck. Um, so I think he can add an immediate impact to them. And I think Texas, are they bad, bro? God, don't I say don't that. We say it every single year. We say it every single year, and I just don't – I don't bad. know. But, but when the years is, is very exciting. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Andrew? Um, I don't know how much I believe the person I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it just because it's interesting news. Keaton Slovis to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of talk. Keaton Slovis might have been the number one quarterback prospect, and now he's going to go to the place where they did have a number one quarterback prospect going into the draft. So, I don't know. Maybe there's – I know their, their OC left in Pittsburgh, but – Maybe there's a foundation there that he can capitalize on and maybe repeat the same magic, but I don't feel super strongly about it. The only other name on there that really said I was Bo Nix, but like, if you talk to any Auburn fan the last three years, they're so happy he's gone. So I don't really know how like impactful he was. And I guess there's that wild card chance. Spitzler Rattler capitalizes on all the stuff that's there that makes him an intriguing prospect. But if I know anything, that man is going to get so lost in Columbia. He's just, he's going to be doing everything but playing football and it, it's not going to go well for him. And, you know, the, the fun thing is he's going to be running around saying go Cox every week, which I just think is a hilarious image. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. For the sake of it, Keaton Slovis to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say definitely Spencer Rattler to uh, South Carolina, but I also have a brain and eyes, so that's not the answer. Uh, I'll just go off the map. I'm going to say it's Eli Ricks to Bama. He went from LSU to Bama. Dude's a 6'2", 195 cornerback, but he also kind of plays that safety hybrid. I think you're looking at sort of the next Mark Barron type player who is really going to change the game. Look, quarterbacks change the game. Everybody knows that. Um, and that's why the, the, the big transfer in the news will follow around that. But Bama builds their, builds their program around their defense. And Eli Ricks is probably the next greatest player at Bama to come out. And he's going to be a first rounder, top 10 pick. Um, let's jump over boys to our dudes and duds. Uh, Andrew, you got a dude for me? 
Oh, we can do hey it, we can do a due to the week as we usually oh. do but we can also this is a a year-end recap so we can do a due to the year if you like i'm gonna do a due to the week and of the year because okay there's nothing like a walk-ons podcast without andrew talking some shit about the Denver that's what Denver. we need that's exactly what we need <laughs> week, it's actually a contradiction it's vic fangio i think he finally did enough he's definitely gonna get canned with the way he completely botched wait Denver vic fangio's your dude He's my dude because he finally nailed the coffin. He Girl. like single-handedly got it. Did enough this week where you you can't say any other reason than it's just he's just not equipped to be a head coach. Granted, I I still think Pat Shermer's the worst coach on our staff, but I think Vic Fangio the way he handled the game at the end of the first half led to the Broncos missing a field goal and the Bengals in kicking a field goal. That six-point swing in a five-point game ended up being the difference. Um, you know they win that game. We're in the playoffs right now and said we're the 12 seed. Our playoff hopes are basically non-existent, and I think that about did it for him. So, for the sake of my my happiness in the future, um, him losing this week might have been a, a blessing in disguise. Okay, great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. I can't believe you actually watched that game because that was brutal. Uh, Tim Fogarty, go ahead. Dude of the week, year, shit. Until they play their game against Georgia, Jim Harbaugh. I think he got the monkey off his back this year. You know, like I, I it, again, like as a Jim Harbaugh fan, because I think he's just, he's a great coach, but he's also such just an interesting creature as a person and just so unique and strange and awesome. And just is who he is that him being the laughingstock over the last few years and knowing that he's had success at other places and knowing the resources he has at Michigan. I'm like, dude, something's got to give for this guy. You know, you start rooting for him. You're like, come on, man, beat Ohio state. You know, Ryan Day's got this smug ass look on his face. Like here, coming to Ann Arbor today. You know, like some villain. And I'm like, just beat him, dude. Like, come on. And I think after that, I think he's the dude of the year. And he got coach of the year, which well-deserved. You know, a lot of good up there. But I think Harbaugh for me was dude of the year, dude of the week, and all for college football. He's going to do a lot of really awesome things, I think, for Michigan moving forward. And it's already starting with recruits starting to decommit and commit over there. Just a dude in general. Well, I'm going to go yeah. a little bit off the map. I'm going to say my dude of the week. It's actually a couple of dudes. One is Gary Payton Jr., uh, the glove junior for the Warriors. Obviously, this dude has been – he's had a breakout season. He's been incredible, the, the dunks, the defense. But I think one of the coolest things he did, there was a video of him about a week and a half ago. He was doing some warm-ups. He knocked over a couple of beers of some fans in the stands, went over, had – you know, made sure it got cleaned up, made sure they got fresh beers. There's also a guy, Dylan Larkin, who plays for the Red Wings. He had in a warm-up, like he knocked over some, some fans' beers. So, and he, he, he gave him a crisp $20 bill because those are expensive <laughs> beers. Yeah. I give a lot of respect to the dudes who are actually playing on the – this is the kind of fan-athlete relationship that I like to see. I don't want to see guys like, you know, fans coming on the court or talking shit or you know, running across the court. I want to see them, hey, listen, uh, you know, it's all good. You, you guys are just warming up. You knocked over my beer, no big deal. But these players showed up. They got their beers replaced. They take care of the fans. That's the kind of stuff that I like. And also, secondarily, Tiger and Charlie Woods. I don't know if anybody here saw the PNC Championship this weekend, but uh, Charlie Woods is 12 years old, and he's 12 times better than I am, and I've been playing for 20 years. And the kid's going to be a fucking champion if he wants to be. Seeing Tyler, Tiger Woods, who almost lost his leg earlier this year, actually play like a, a play like Tiger Woods was awesome. So those are my dudes of the week. God bless y'all. Uh, do we have any duds of the week, Andrew? Oh, man, this guy. I think we've had him as our dud of the week before. I mean, I'm sure, considering the amount of 
things he's done. This it's not year. Urban Meyer, is it? Oh, it's, it is. I mean, <laughs> I know it's low-hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit. But let's just talk about how disastrous this was. Because it wasn't like Bob Petrino or Steve Spurrier or some of these failed college coaches who had like a bad year and then knew they weren't right for the NFL. This is the new threshold of like what it means to be the worst head coaching hire in NFL history. I mean, like the amount of like tweets that came out once he was fired that listed like the 20 things he did that were just comically bad that you forgot half of them because like the other 10 things were so ridiculous. You know, hiring the racist strength coach from Iowa and having him immediately quit. The Tim Tebow fiasco, which we talked about great length. Um, the, the things he said during training camp about like, oh, we're going to cut players because they're vac- or they're not vaccinated and just other things that it's like, dude, you, you can't say this. Like you may be thinking it and I guarantee you most teams think this, but you, you don't say this to the media. And then obviously, you know, the bump and grind incident at the Urban Meyer Chop House in Columbus, he did it at his own restaurant. His own Chop old, House, he was chopping. Old, would recognize him. He didn't fly back with the team after they lost. He's just dancing with co-eds and his wife's out there babysitting the night he's doing that. And then, and then obviously like the lead up the last couple of weeks, not shaking hands, uh, calling his coaches losers, kicking a player and calling him dipshit. And it's just like, when I'm, my biggest thought is what was going on at Florida and Ohio state when there was no repercussions. There has to be a million stories much worse than this that we will just never know. And, you know, that's that's sad because it's comedy. And it's, you know, there's one guy that lost his job, is a horrible person, and we do not feel bad at all for making fun of him. It's Urban Meyer. And, you know, and then on top of that, Ohio State loses to Michigan. Oh, man, he had a tough year, and I don't feel bad about it at all. Yeah, um, Safe to say Urban Meyer in the NFL was a failed experiment. And like you said, Andrew, all those stories are absolute gold. And it's probably barely scratching the surface of how many stories there actually are coming out of Jacksonville. Not that we care anymore, but it's good content. All right, Tim, you got a dud of the week or the year? I think the year it's uh, same, you know, same story, new year with Texas A&M football. I think, you know, eight and four and just, every year and that's why I'm always so negative on them I'm like dude they're not gonna they're gonna end up beating Bama or you know like for somebody big like they always do but with the talent that they get and I again I know the recruiting classes are insane but it's getting over that hump of you know instead of eight and four being that 10 and two 11 and one team so for me in college football I would say it was Texas A&M I like it yeah A&M always seems to disappoint well I'm just gonna go sort of fully general here and I'm not looking to call anybody out, but it's really the protocols and it's really kind of what's happened lately. Look, we all understand that we are, I guess, in the middle of a pandemic still, we thought we were kind of on the way out. Now you got Omicron coming in, but the COVID protocols within the NFL, the NBA, NCAA basketball are absolutely ridiculous. Let's just be honest. I mean, you're looking at, you know, Nick Mullins playing quarterback for the Browns. I don't need to tell you guys how much PTSD I have from watching Nick Mullins throw the football for the Niners. I mean, just interception after interception. And you got Garrett Gilbert starting tonight for the Washington football team. Last I checked, they're actually up 10, nothing on Philadelphia, which is incredible. Uh, But you basically, I mean, you got guys with 13, 15, 20 different guys that are out of the lineup with the COVID protocols that, I mean, these are, these are playoff, clinching playoff positioning games which make absolutely no sense and suddenly the nfl is like well i think our i think our best 
bet is to not test as much, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. NBA, you've got 113 players in the protocol, 101 in the last month, which is absolutely ridiculous. You got guys you've never even seen or heard before play starting in the lineups for like so the Bulls or the Cavs or the Clippers, whoever else you want. And it, my, my personal favorite, only because I like records, you guys, you guys know this, but DePaul University, which has been bad for a long, long time to basketball, they're nine and one overall this season, guys. They're 0 and 2 in the Big East because they've had to forfeit their last two games. I don't understand. Like, usually in, co in college basketball, you play two, maybe three conference games a week. The fact that these can't be rescheduled, this is a conference game. You're telling me yeah. this team is 9 and 1, but 0 and 2 in the conference in the Big East? That makes absolutely no sense. Get your shit together. Let's figure it out. We all understand what we're in. We've been doing this for almost two years now. You need to figure out how to make this happen and how to reschedule games, especially conference games without giving teams, you know, especially college teams, college yeah. teams, a, a loss for not being able to field enough players. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Tim, any closing thoughts? Uh, honestly, dude, no. Cause just talking about their lack of organization and just accountability will just piss me off. So you, you nailed it, buddy. You heard it here. Lack of lack of accountability just pisses us off here on the walk-ons. Hey, that is the end of the season, end of the year. Andrew Schuster, you're on. I have one more comment, and it's kind Please of going do. back to our last episode. Uh, we were at the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, uh, the uh, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl that was here in LA on on a Saturday, and you know Utah State, Oregon State experience. But what was really nice was they they had a moment where they put John Carlin's uh, face and you know kind of information up on the big screen at SoFi, which was really cool to see. And so just wanted to give them a shout out for kind of getting John a chance to be memorialized like that, even though there were only about maybe 20,000 people there. Um, but it was it was really cool to be there and to see that. So I just wanted to insert that real quick before we, uh, you know, moved on and finished the show. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, this show would be absolutely nothing without John Carlin's influence on it. Um, we owe him everything and we wish him just the, the most peaceful rest. I, it, we, we already did a show on it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'd rather not revisit it because I'm going to lose my stuff. But um, yeah, we love John Carlin on the show. All the best to him and his family. Um, of course, his brothers, Kevin and Chris, um, and all his, his dad and mom, who are just fantastic people. And John Carlin has been an influence in all our lives for a long time. He's the reason why the show exists. So we love him so much. And that's a great call out, Andrew. And that is it for our wrap-up show, Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. The Walk-Ons is almost a year old. We'll see you guys next year in 2022. We're out. The Walk-Ons.